Absolutely. Hi, this is Wendy Steinberg with the Coffee Celebration. And today we have a very special guest, Mrs. Rachele Littman. And she's a friend, she's a neighbor, she's a boy mom, she's all of the above. She's also a jewelry designer. She works for the United States Air Force, everything. Like this mom is kick-ass. So we're gonna get to know Rachele right now. And I'm gonna just open it up to you and... Um, if you just want to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and we'll go from there. Okay. That's always a hard question. I never know where to start. Um, so I work for the air force. Um, that is oh my, my I, okay. I want to know job. that. I want to know the process, but do the, the okay. overview. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's, that is, that is my, my main, my main, uh, the thing that takes up most of my day when I'm not with the boys. Um, yeah. who are eight and three and keep me very busy at lots of fun. eight. He's, he's eight. eight. He's eight. He's so big. I don't know when this happened. Oh my gosh. He was just born boo. No, I know. And he's like, he's decided he's a teenager already. So. All right. Start stacking up on Kroger gift cards. Cause you're going to need that if he's a teenager. All right. Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. So yeah, they're, they're growing fast. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, the jewelry design. So I started designing jewelry, uh, during COVID it was always, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it was just like a hobby. And then I realized that I was accumulating all this jewelry and I can't wear that much jewelry. Yeah, right. Um, so, um, so I had some friends who were actually interested in buying and they convinced me that it was, that it was actually good enough to sell. And I started selling it and it's been a really fun um, side, side job, side hustle hobby. So that's been a lot of fun. Um, and then what else about me? I recently started Krav Maga again, which I am loving so much. Um, so that's been like the other thing that's been filling up, filling up the spare time that I didn't really have beforehand, but I was going to ask, it seems pretty busy. Yeah. They have like, they'll have a class in the middle of the day. So I'll go instead of, instead of lunch, I'm not starving myself. I just eat at my desk after. Right. Right. But, um, yeah, it, it fits in sort of making it work so far. We'll see how long, how long, but it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's all I can think of. Well, when do you sleep? When do you sleep? Okay. Like you're working a full-time job. Okay. Being a mom is a full-time job. Being a wife is a full-time job. And you have this passion and gift for making jewelry. And then you decide to take up, um, it's a martial arts, right? It's in Israel. Yeah. Israel. It's like, what exactly is, how does that different from every, every other form of martial arts? So all martial arts are a little, well, anywhere from a little to vastly different from each other. Um, and I took, I used to take Kempo, which is a form of karate. I started that as a 10 year old, maybe 11 year old. Um, and I did that up through college. Um, and that was very, very structured. It was very focused on having the correct, um, posture and the correct movements and, and the, you know, having the flow of the, of the movement and Krav Maga is much more, um, it doesn't matter what you're doing. I don't care if you, you know, I don't care where your arm ends up as long as you've knocked out the person that, that is oh, attacking wow. your husband. It's very, um, 
just speaking from the two that I've done and there's, I know a huge, a huge difference between all, all the, all the different styles, but um, just from these two, one is very, very competition oriented and very sport oriented. And one is very, um, I don't really care so long as it's effective oriented. Okay. So it's definitely a very different, different approach, but it's been a lot of fun kind of seeing how the two uh, differ and how they're similar and kind of how they can mix together. So, yeah. So are, are you working from home then? Because um, United States Air Force is like in Colorado Springs, you know, or are there different branches? I, I don't know how the military works. So each branch of the military has bases all over the world. Um, and we happen to have an Air Force base in Dayton. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, so prior to COVID, I was driving there every day. Um, now, I got used to it. It didn't seem so horrible. And now that I've stopped doing it, the days that I do have to go in, I can't figure out how I used to do this every day without losing my mind. Right. Um, so hopefully they never make us come back full time yes. all the time. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that I can do that. Um, but, um, yeah, so the base is located, is located in Dayton about an hour away and, um, they have been keeping a lot of us in a telework position through COVID, which has been really nice. Okay. So I'm going to work backwards. So you're originally from New York, right? Yeah. When did you guys move to Cincinnati? In the late nineties, mid to late, like mid late nineties. I don't remember exactly which year it was. So were, when you started your martial arts, were you already here in Cincinnati or was that something from New York? So I started it in New York, but a different, a different style of karate. And then um, when we moved here, I continued with, with the Kem- Kempo and that's the same studio that I stayed with up through college. Okay. So I know you went to Miami and I worked there myself. So I was very excited and you actually are a Miami merger, right? Yes. Yes. That's, that's, that's so, so for people who don't know, um, any college that has uh, where two people fall in love and they're both students, um, it, it's really um, a, a great thing. And so having worked at Miami, isn't there some sort of bridge, like not bridge, but the walkway, arch. the art, yeah, yeah, where, um, I don't know the significance of that, but is it where you kiss or I don't know. Yeah. It's a whole it's, thing to kiss under the arch. I don't remember why, or I, I don't know. It could be any number of things that I could make right. up, but I don't remember what it actually is. What was it about Miami that made you want to go there? Um, Ooh, that was, there were a lot of factors. Um, I, really wanted to join the military. My parents were hundred percent not on board with that. And I was 17 at the time. So I was looking for something that was sort of more local that would kind of fill the time, get me some credits. And then my plan was to join the military. So, so there was that factor, which was part of why I didn't uh, end up going to Israel, which the rest of my class did. Yeah. I was the only one who didn't go. Um, And then I knew I wanted to do something political science or international studies oriented. Um, And a lot of the schools I noticed are, um, or at least were at the time, either extremely broad focus and you had to cover everything 
or they were such a narrow focus that they didn't really have international studies as much as they had you know, like East Asia studies or or um, Middle Eastern studies or North Africa studies. And it, it was it was so specific that you missed out on the big picture. And one of the things that Miami had um, that I really only saw at a few other in a few other programs was that balance between allowing you to have a focus, but still incorporating a nice amount of, of um, information from other areas of the world and other, other um, regions. That's and, awesome. So you graduated yeah. with a degree in international studies. You were hoping to join the military. Was your long-term goal to go abroad or be in the state department or what so, was, I mean, I guess there's so many options with that kind of degree. Right. So there is, oh, this is not a good example of long-term planning <laughs> looking back, <laughs> but um, honestly, I didn't have a plan. Yeah. Um, I knew that's what I wanted to do. And then I, when I was in undergrad, I think this is consistent across schools, but I'm not a hundred percent sure, but there's basically an option, the ROTC program, the reserve officer training course. So they have, obviously you can just full on sign up, be, you know, completely on board with the program. Um, but they also have kind of like a, like they'll incorporate you into things, but you haven't actually joined the program. So you're still paying for school. You're still, um, you're not required to go um, participate in a lot of the mandatory um, like PT and physical activities and, and stuff like that. Um, and then if after your sophomore year, you decide, yes, this is definitely what I want to do at that point, then you commit and they retroactively cover your expenses. And then you're committed to your four years of military or with ROTC now, I can't remember if it's four years or six years. Anyways, you're committed to your military service afterwards. Um, so I had started off in kind of that, that lane. So I didn't have the commitment, but I was taking all the academic stuff and kind of very involved in that. Um, you can't be married in the ROTC program though. Um, so I actually met Eric my first week of freshman year. And um, we did not date for about a year, but we also didn't see other people. So I don't know how to answer how long we dated. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, so um, we ended up, we ended up getting married my sophomore year. And so I never, I never um, committed. I never made that commitment. And then um, shortly after we were married, I finally was like, you know what, this is, this is crazy. Like if I can't do this with ROTC, I'm just, I'm just going to enlist. And Eric was kind of like, you're a lunatic, um, but you know, you're my wife. Don't like this, but I'll support you like kind of back and forth. And we were actually going to Baltimore for a wedding the weekend that we had this conversation. And <laughs> while we were there, I ended up in the ER and then being admitted, having emergency back surgery. Um, we were stuck in Baltimore for like six weeks. It was a whole, a whole ordeal. Um, but I kind of came out of that going like, okay, message received. Yes. Like that, that was a no, that was a hard no. Yeah. Um, so that at that point, that was kind of where I was like, okay, this is, there's no more flip-flopping. Like my back is just not going to let me join the military. That's not an option. And so that was when I kind of started trying to find a better way to incorporate all of these different interests um, that I had into some, some sort of career that I would be interested in. And so working 
um, in the position you have now, does that do it for you? Does it check all the boxes that you were hoping to have in a career path? So a lot of them, yes. Um, one of the things that I did definitely didn't consider enough when I was an undergrad is just, you know, what work home life balance and how that how that works out. Um, I mean, I'm definitely not. There are people who are just so they like thrive as stay at home moms. It's amazing. I. I'm not, I'm not one of those people. When I first started working, we were losing money by me going to work. We were paying more in gas and childcare yeah. than I was bringing in. And it was still, it was like, this is much better for everybody's mental health. Like, so it never really occurred to me before I had my own kids that like, I might want to be home with them because why yeah. would I want that? And then they were mine. And I was like, oh, right. and I kind of love you people. Like, I like you. <laughs> I want to be around you sometimes. Um, so the job I was working at then, I, that's a tough one. I loved the job. I really didn't like the people I worked in with. It was a very toxic work environment, but a great job. Um, but I was never home. I never saw them. I, it was always, there was always one emergency after another or something coming up. Um, and the job I've been in now is less fulfilling in that sense. Like I really thrived in that work, in the work environment, not the toxic part, just the, the rest of it. But, um, but I'm instructing now. So I would like to move back into the actual work as opposed to the instructor role um, in the future. But this is really like, it keeps me active in the field. It keeps me engaged and current on what's going on. Um, but I'm also able to be home with the kids right. and I'm able to see them and they know, you know oh, who I am. Yeah. Uh, so this is not, you know, this right now is not, I wouldn't say it's the dream in terms of the career, but it's pretty perfect for where I am in life and what I want. So what are you instructing? Like, are you a fitness? Like, or are you no. teaching? What are you teaching? So I'm teaching intelligence analysts how to analyze intelligence. Are you kidding? Nope. Did you learn that at all at Miami? No, 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 no. So um, I have a graduate degree in intelligence studies. Um, and then I, um, oh. I went, uh, <laughs> I got hired in a program that basically they, in exchange for working for them, they then put you through the training. Okay. Um, and it's like a developmental type of program. Um, and then they were, they were affiliated with the Air Force and I ended up um, I ended up transitioning over to working for the Air Force from there. Um, so, and then a lot of it, you know, there's a lot of on the job training and then um, things you pick up over time and yeah. Is it hard to, I mean, it seems to me there's so much red tape working for the government. Was it hard to secure a position or if, but because you were, I guess this company paid for you or, you know, cultivated you into that role, um, you're pretty much like, there's, there's so much screening and testing and do you know what I mean? To work for yeah. the government. I'm just, it seems like there would be a lot of that <sighs> as well. Sophie, the pug has some attitude. Hold on just a second. Absolutely. That's so not nice. Sophie, the pug. Noe, can you please feed her some cookies? Okay. Thank you. My apologies. Oh, she you're is fine. Just, she lets us live with her. So go ahead. I totally understand. I'm just glad Riley didn't hear anything about cookies or I'd be getting that death stare of, why don't you love me, mom? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm in the other room. We're good. 
You know, these yeah, dogs have bionic hearing. It's so amazing. Like, how did you, because it's just, it just seems to me there's so much going into a job working for the government and especially in this field. I yeah. mean, you probably have a background check and, you know, oh my gosh. Yeah. And the roles that I've been in, you need clearance for. So a lot of that just by default, you, it's that's a higher level of an investigation than what they would do on a background check anyways. Mm-hmm. So if you have your clearance, that's, you know, a, th- that's, that's a much smaller pool of people that they're picking from. And that already tells them that you've gone through a significant amount of screening and investigation. Um, so there is that. Um, I got, I honestly just got very, very fortunate in a lot of ways. Um, it's extremely hard to get your clearance without um, either being active duty military or, um, or getting hired directly by like a three letter agency out of college or something like that. Um, and I, so the, when, after I had my back surgery, I ended up talking to one of the um, instructors from the ROTC program. And I was saying, listen, this is, this was my game plan. I didn't have a different plan. Um, Do you have any thoughts? And I actually had a double major at the time uh, in international studies and psychology. And he was like, you love politics and psychology and you want to join the military. Why aren't you looking at intelligence? Like, I don't know, never, never thought of it. So he ended up um, helping me submit an application for this internship uh, with the Marine Corps that I did not get. They accept one person every two years. I did not, I was not the one person, Um, but it got me much more interested in this field and uh, uh, led to me looking into other, other opportunities. And I ended up um, getting an internship with a company that did uh, maritime intelligence. And I, I, from there, I really, I just got very, very fortunate getting that role. Um, And from there, it was all a question of having the right connection. So my, the, the, um, the person I worked for in that role knew someone who worked at another agency who then introduced me to another person. And that was a lot of it. Um, And that's a lot of what I've found is that in terms of getting a job with the government, it's so much more about who you know, um, and just getting getting your resume in front of someone who's actually looking at it instead of one of the various computer systems that's weeding weeding resumes out because it can't it can't pick up whatever target word it's looking for. Wow! Oh my gosh! I didn't realize that you did this. I mean, this just seems like criminal mind stuff, right? This seems like the like. CIA stuff, but it's not. Um, We do work with them, um, but CIA is much more, um, they have a much larger focus on what's called human or human intelligence. And it's a lot more, you know, the stuff that's interesting in movies, you know. Right, right. um, So a lot of, a lot of what we do is is operating at a less um, trying to think of the right the right wording. It's a more more um, 
the acquiring, I don't acquire the information. I analyze the information. Someone else is getting it. Okay. So how they're getting it, that's all the stuff that they make fun movies about, right? Okay. And says, okay, this is, this is the person who now receives the information and tells us what it means. So I am that person, not the person they make movies about. Oh my gosh. Okay. And so here you have, which I would think is a very right brain sort of field. And you, I guess, meld it with being a jewelry designer as well. Is that more or less like the left brain outlet for you, like to balance out this incredible job that is making such a a difference? And then here you are, you have this gift that is so creative that it's another outlet for you. I mean, I'm thinking like, how did you get blessed with with both like gifts of, of that and everything? So no, um, can you let the dog out, please? She's really sassy right now. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, you're <laughs> fine. I, I understand that dog life. Oh, my gosh. Um, oh, what kind of dog is away. Riley, though, first, before you answer? He, he he is a golden doodle. I think he may be a golden doodle horse cross, though, because he is enormous and he's still growing. How big is he? I don't know, but I do know he is really really, really just fitting into the crate that is the largest size that Chewy sells. So I did see, I saw a picture next to your husband. He was like all fours and you're almost as tall as your husband or taller, something like that. I was like, right about the same height. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Just full six feet. Oh my gosh. And I don't know where you, where you find the time to do the jewelry because I really don't, because I come home from work, I'm exhausted. I mean, I'm a boy mom. Half the time that I have disposable time, it's at Kroger. So like, I don't know where, like, how do you balance this? I want you to tell me so I can do it. So first of all, I have to give credit where credit is due. I don't have a babysitter so much as I have a wife. She is unbelievable. I don't know how I got lucky enough to find this woman, um, but she has been the biggest blessing to my family um, ever. And it's just an added bonus. She's around the same age. I think we would be wonderful friends if she, yeah. if, you know, even if she wasn't babysitting for me, she has a son that, a couple months older than my youngest and they love playing together. Um, and she's just, she's, she's, I couldn't do the majority of what I do without her there. And that's, that's honestly a lot of what it was, what it is, is that when I switched to working from home, I still had that full-time childcare. My youngest is not in school yet. So he was with her all day. Um, and so a lot of these things that kept me crazy busy when I got home from work, usually yeah, um, like making dinner, I can, you know, if I have five minutes, I can pop upstairs, put dinner in the oven, go back downstairs, as opposed to it being a whole, a whole to do that takes up my evening. Um, and it just, um, it kind of worked out. Like, I don't really have time to sit down and do jewelry making, it tends to be like a, oh, a meeting ended and I have 10 minutes before the next one started. I'm just going to like play around with this stuff. Um, and a lot of that just stemmed from, I was really bored working, not bored. I tend to get bored when I'm really busy. I don't know if that makes sense. Like my, I mm-hmm. mentally get bored, even though I have a million things I have to do. Um, but early on in COVID, just being in, I was working in our unfinished basement. I actually still am, but it feels like home now. Um, and it, it was just, I hadn't been around, around many people. And I was just 
going bonkers. And I just started playing with stuff and making jewelry kind of in between things to, I don't know, have something else that I was doing. Um, and it's sort of become my, my little break. It's like, you know, some people, some people have a, a smoke break or a snack break or whatever. I have a jewelry break. Yeah. Um, so you're sitting there making, cause I've seen your stuff on Instagram and like, how do you, you get like hooks into the, to the jewels and I mean the stones, like, how are you just doing that? And you're have 10 minutes and you're like, don't you have to solder stuff? Don't you have to no. like, I mean, there are people who do, there are people who do way more than I do and way more, oh way more gosh. elaborate. I'm going to stick, I'm going to stick a plug on because Sarah, who I know you've spoken. Oh my God, we love her. I mean, she's amazing. amazing. Um, I mean, she is like, she is a jewelry maker. Like she, she really, really, really knows what she's doing. Yeah. Um, and you, that I, that's a different level of commitment. Um, okay. I think so I've, I've kind of looked at things and been like, oh, this involves a blowtorch. That's just not happening. <laughs> um, probably not smart to have a blowtorch around boys anyway. So good. Definitely call. not. Yeah, good. Call. Definitely not. Um, so you know, I've kind of, part of it has been kind of finding where I want to be. I'm not looking to be a big time professional jewelry maker. It's more, it's just something I love. It's a lot of fun. It makes for fun gifts for people. I, you know, I, Mm -hmm. I, I feel very honored that some people have, have felt that it was worth, you know, making purchases, but it's, you know, it's, it's really, it's more of a joy thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when things start becoming, way more work than joy that's kind of you know then it just becomes well never mind that one then you have a great eye for color your stuff really is like soothing and calming and I love that the stones you you use in the color scheme yeah um I just am just so blown away by everything that you do and I'm trying to think here in my head like like, why am I not doing more or, or following those passions that I want to do? It's just, um, and I know you have two boys. Um, what grade is the oldest one in now that he's eight? Is it first grade or second? Second. I know. No way. I know. No way. It's crazy. It's like real school. It's not. It to see if Rabbi Kogel. He does. Oh my God. Who doesn't love Rabbi Kogel? First of all, the name. All right. And then. Oh my gosh. He's amazing. Honestly, the only, the only complaint I have is I don't know how we're supposed to move on to other teachers after this. Oh, when I know when Chaim was at CHS, I literally asked, could you just move along with this group? Because I don't think he's going to survive the next level. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So you met your husband at Miami. You got married your sophomore year. How did you balance all that? Not very well, quite honestly. No, I mean, because you're young now. And so you got married your sophomore year of college. And was it within that year that you had a back surgery or was it? It was. Because you were so young. Like everybody listening, she is so young, gorgeous skin, gorgeous. And I'm just like, I'm trying to even in my mind do a timeline. I'm like, how, how, how did that happen? Yeah. So there was a whole lot of 
overlap all over the place. Um, okay. Okay. It's not the, linear. It's. Um, I mean, I, so I got, we got married in June of 2007 and the back surgery, if I'm recalling correctly, was in May of 09, I think maybe March. I don't know. It was 09. Um, so honestly, when we got married, we had such an unconventional, like approach. I don't know. We, it just kind of worked. And I'm definitely one of these people. Thank God I have my husband who's like so practical that it drives me crazy because I always say I'd probably be living in a box on the side of the road. No, I'm literally, I spent the first three or four years of our marriage trying to convince him that we should take all our possessions, put them in a storage box, buy a ticket to somewhere and just work until we could afford to go somewhere else. And when I said, he said, where are we going to live? I said, there's grass. So, right. These are the workings of a 20 year old brain. Um, but he's, he's saved me. I, we're a good balance. I think we save each that. other from ourselves. That's, I love that. Um, so we, we kind of, we had a very unconventional, our whole, our whole dating engagement, everything was very unconventional. My father made me promise him I wouldn't date my freshman year of college because he had so many friends who just, you know, had all these plans, all these goals, and then met someone, got married and just like gave up on everything else and became, you know, they just sort of their, their relationship became their life instead of bringing both together. And he was very worried that that was something that I was going to do. Um, he didn't care like if I went on a date, but he didn't want me to be in a serious relationship with someone. And, you know, at the time I was like, okay, sure, whatever, fine, no big deal. And then I met Eric first week of freshman year. Oh my God. And it was How did you meet? Did you meet like at Hillel or in a class? Because how did met- two Jewish people meet at Miami? It's a big campus. Yeah. So we, we met at Hillel. This is really one of those stories where it's like, it had, you have to believe that it is, that it is meant to be. He was supposed to be, he was in a theater class. He was supposed to be, there was a mandatory play that they were supposed to go to the truck with the props or something like that broke down. And it happened to be the night of the Hillel welcome barbecue, like the whole, this whole series of events. Meanwhile, I was supposed to leave and go somewhere else, but I needed to pick up a book from the copy shop on campus where they run off um, mm-hmm. you know, the, the teachers, um, yeah, their books that they put together themselves. They didn't really know campus at all at the time. Um, the, the person before me bought the last copy of the one I needed. So they needed to run off more. So I'm wandering around trying to figure out where to go. I obviously I'm not going to go into any bars. I was 18 years old. I wasn't even, I think I was 17. Um, and, um, the only two places I could really find were the Episcopalian church and Hillel. And I remembered someone had said something to me at a barbecue. So I wandered in there. <laughs> Um, and it was, it was a whole series of just, just ridiculousness looking back now. I mean, there was a guy that a friend pointed out to me later that he was, he was hitting on me. I was straight out of a very religious high school. Mm-hmm. Oblivious. I thought he was having some sort of seizure. He kept like going like, this. Oh my gosh. like what is happening <laughs> to your face? Oh my um, gosh just so, so, so oblivious and no idea what was going on. Um, he came in with a Yankees hat. I'm a big Yankees fan. I was just so like, there was so much happening. I was like, you we're friends now. Come here. Oh my gosh. Um, and we started talking and, um, we ended up hanging out a bunch. Um, and he says he was interested from that point. So I'm taking his word on that. I, 
I, again, completely oblivious. He makes fun of me so much for this, rightfully so. He's like, I, I, I would like walk two miles so that I can spend 20 minutes with you. And I was like, oh yeah, that probably, I probably should have figured out that meant you liked me as more than a friend, but it just didn't, I, I just very oblivious. <laughs> um, yeah, he's really, he's a good one. He's good. I'll keep him. Um, but so finally, I finally <laughs> figured out what was going on here. Um, and we kind of got into this whole, someone actually wanted to set me up with someone else. And I was like, I actually don't know if I'm dating someone. <laughs> Let me get back to you. Um, so I called oh him, and all, right? With all my tact, I was like, so I don't know if we're dating each other or if we should be seeing other people or what. That was my whole like intro mm-hmm. there. I'm a very mm-hmm. tactful person. Um, and he was kind of like, I'd prefer if you didn't see other people. And that's, that was sort of, that was that, but we weren't dating because I had, I had told my father. So we were not dating, but not seeing other people. Um, and I think that pretty much continued until we got engaged. Wow. Um, so is he from Cincinnati? He is born and raised. His father is actually from here. That's and okay. Obviously because you graduated from a girl's high school, it wouldn't have been on your radar to even know about Jewish boys in Cincinnati. No, uh, the background of pictures I have from like in high school. No yeah. way. Oh, it that's so freaky. weird. That's one of the freak. So weird. There are no coincidences. Oh my gosh. So you get together, you're looking at pictures and you're like, oh, there you are. Oh my goodness. Yeah. He, he pointed really? it out. It was crazy. Oh my gosh. And he also, he has a doctorate in psychology, right? Or so I was thinking maybe you met in a class because you, you both really enjoy psychology. Was that his initial major too? Or so he, one of the things brought you together? So he started out undecided, I think. Um, we, he was a senior my freshman year. So I wasn't, I didn't know him through the whole process of picking his major and everything, but I think he, he either started out undecided or on a pre-med path, maybe. I'm not sure which of those. Um, but then definitely, um, realized that he really liked psychology. And then, um, when we met, he was leaning towards, uh, going to a clinical program and he, he actually decided that he wanted to do, um, more experimental and behavioral stuff. So, um, lucky for me that led him to graduate school at Miami as well, instead of any of the other programs. So, um, that worked out very well. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that is what he does now. Yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. That's so cool about the pictures and stuff. That really is like you hear stories of, about that and it's just cool to know someone that it actually happened to. It is very cool. There's a lot of little like things as we went back through our history. My father was actually his grandmother's doctor, which we also did like the pieces came together over time. We had no idea. That is so freaky. It's very weird. Oh my gosh. So did you both live in Oxford after you were married then? Or did you commute from the shtetl? What happened? So we actually ended up having such a great arrangement. Um, the Weinschneiders yeah. had a house. They had the house, the bias. They buy it. Right. Oh. They only used it on Shabbos. And we did not want to be there on Shabbos, but 
we really didn't want to be driving back and forth all the time. So we worked out, I don't remember the details of our arrangement with them, but we lived there and covered some of the utilities or whatever it was Mm -hmm. during the week. And then we had an apartment and and we came home and we spent the weekend here. And then we would go back either Sunday or Monday morning, either one and be there for the week. Um, So that was, it was perfect. Um, Amazing. Yeah. I can't remember how long we did that. I know we didn't do that the entire time. I think we when did, did that. You guys, when did you guys move down to, you know, Amberley then? Um, that's, I think Ellie was probably about two. So maybe six years ago-ish. But you were in Oxford until then, right? We were, actually, we were in Gulf Manor. Oh, where did you live there? We lived across the street from the coal apartments. Oh. But we were very rarely there because we were in Oxford a lot. And then. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. Oh my gosh, your life is fun. I love it. I mean, you're in a really amazing job. Uh, I'm just like, I wouldn't even know how to have found a job like that, you know? And it must be intellectually enough for you, you know, because I mean, I'm talking to you and I'm thinking, oh my God, she is so wicked smart. And, you know, it can, it can be a little intimidating. I'm just being honest, transparent here. And you have this remarkable job. Um, and your husband is, oh my gosh, what does he do again? He's doing the behavioral side of psychology. So yeah. is that like experiments and stuff? Or So he was doing that. He's actually working for P&G now. I'm not allowed to describe his job because I always do it. It's nothing secret. I just described his last job as he spun people in circles until he made them sick, which was apparently not a good description, but okay, fine. I thought it was a pretty solid one. You know, they were (laughs) were figuring out. Oh Um, my gosh. He, he, he does something with the psychology behind both internal to the company, like how they, how they work. And then also how they deal with products and stuff like that. That's really good. And he probably loves it. Yeah. Yeah. That's oh, yay. It's a nice fit. It's he was so on base imp- before this. So he's also really happy not driving to base. What do you mean? Oh, he was working there too? Yes. When he was at the spinning people in circles till they, till they got sick job. Um, he was working for the Navy. Um, and they their location near here, they have a uh, one of their um, medical units moved to Dayton for some reason, I'm not sure why, um, but they're on the Air Force Base. So he was working there. And when I accepted my job, I was like, oh, this is cool, we'll drive together. And then a couple of days later, he was like, I have bad news and good news. Oh, you were expecting. Oh, no, no he switched jobs. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> and then we found out I was expecting, actually, I think the first day at his new job, he came home and I told him, I think, he had a big day. <laughs> a big day, oh my gosh. So, okay. What kind of advice would you give to somebody then who is trying to find their path? I would say the biggest piece of advice, and I'm still trying to remember this myself every time something doesn't work out the way that I want it to, or doesn't seem right, is that if there is something you want to do, you can find a way to incorporate that. You might not be able to go the traditional path. You might not be able to you know, it might not, your, your, your road might not look the way you imagine it, but that doesn't mean that you need to give up on what you're dreaming. It doesn't mean that you can't do what you love. It means you might need to 
restructure things and reimagine how you're going to do that. But absolutely don't ever give up and say, oh, that's it. You know, my dream didn't work out and now I'm just going to go do something I don't love. Um, and that's, that's really the biggest, the biggest thing I've learned. I mean, all along the way is things just, you know, it was one thing after another that was just not, not, yeah. things didn't work out the way I'd hoped. And still somehow I landed in some sort of weird hodgepodge of all, all these things that I love. That's amazing. Oh, oh my gosh. That's, I mean, I wish I had learned that when I was your age. I really did. I don't think I ever really put it in that perspective. And I just thought you had to be at a job and push through and muddle through just because, I mean, my parents were like at one job for 40 years, right? So, and now we live in such a culture and society where you can have a YouTube channel and cash in, and then you could do this and you could, I mean, there's so many options as to what is seemed successful today. And, um, yeah, I really wish I had had a mentor or a supervisor that had said that to me because, you know, you just keep pushing and you think you have to do this and you really don't, you really don't. I mean, I think our mental health and our happiness are so much more important than a paycheck, but, um, you know, it's hard to really, um, remind ourselves consistently of that. It really is. And it's, absolutely an easier thing, you know, to say than internalize. Like, oh, of course. I, you know, I know, I know this is the truth. And I still at times go, well, why couldn't this have just worked out like this and been a nice, simple, straight line. And, but it is something that I do. I do try to keep in mind and hopefully. Well, it sounds like perfect what I needed to hear tonight, because I was just like, sometimes I'm thinking, you know, I should on myself, like, I should have done this. I should have yes. done this. And And that, you know, you think about all the wasted time or you think about, oh, what if I, you know, I mean, literally, I think to myself, I should have been a better student in college, but I was so incredibly social, which was very hard to believe, you know, and I was just, I really enjoyed my college experience. I'll put it politically correct like that. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't even thinking back, I'm like, oh, I could have done this and maybe done that, but it was the eighties, you know, purple passion and Zima was out there to be consumed. Right. It was still really good. Oh my God. Yeah. But um, that I still like it, <laughs> you know, there are benefits. Um, so yeah, I really wish I had done something like that is, is kind of making peace with what really happened. Like you said, and looking forward to all the options that can really happen in the future. Yeah. 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 So you have a wife, which you said, which I think yeah. every woman should have her own wife yes. um, because it really does help with the balance of everything. And, um, you know, sharing that with, with us and, and telling, uh, you know, that you have this resource that is so helpful, really, you know, I think just supports other women in, in trying to find how to balance everything, you oh, know, yeah. It's the number um, of people who just, it's crazy how many people just always look like they have it all together. And it's funny hearing you say that to me, because I feel like I'm always that person who's like, no, I always see you. I see you in synagogue. I see you with your kids. I I'm always like, she's so polished, put together, poised. And I'm like, 
I'm like the nebby, like woman in the back row in the shoal with my special needs son next to me. And I'm like, okay, let me get some tuna fish. And then I go. Right. So, I mean, I always think so highly of you and I see you because you just have this confidence and this, you know, presence. And it's one of the reasons why I wanted to highlight your, your journey on my coffee podcast, because, um, you know, I see that all the time. And I don't know if you know how people see you because you're in the picture, you don't see the picture, right? And you come across as just, just really, you know, put together. And, you know, I feel like I've spent the last 50 years, because I am 50, um, of my life trying to figure out how to put the pieces in so that I feel at home, you know, with who I am. Yeah. That makes so much sense. And I mean, thank you for saying that. I, yeah, I can guarantee to you that people feel the same looking at you, even when you don't feel it. I mean, I am a mess. (laughs) Like if any, any woman listening to this, who's like, Oh, it sounds like you have it all together. Not even close. Like I'm, I'm just a hot mess ball of anxiety. Most of the time. Um, I just, you know, some things, some things stick together. Some things don't some, you know, I, I'm constantly looking at people going, how do you juggle all, all of the things that you do? Or, oh my gosh, the number of people who stay at home with their, I don't know how many kids. I don't know. I don't know how they do that. It's so crazy to me when people are like, you know, oh, it's a mom. You don't work full-time. Are you crazy? Like I work full-time because being a full-time mom is more work than I'm equipped to handle. Like that, that doesn't even, that doesn't even make sense in my mind, but I mean, just the people who seem, you know, they, they always have the snacks and they're running the carpools and everything's on time and they have their, their, their children are, I don't know, wearing both shoes. (laughs) I know. Right. And they match. Yay. Right. Right. It's just like, I, I, everyone has, I think everyone probably comes off looking way more put together than, than they believe they do. Well, I think so highly of you and I'm so great. You took this time away from your family to just get to know me a little bit better. And I got to know you. I think so many times when we see each other, it's like, Hey, how are you doing a great? And we're chasing our kids or we're chasing our husband or like, we're going crazy, just trying to like make it out the door or at least make it in one piece out of synagogue. And, um, yeah, I just, I'm really so grateful. And, you know, I do adore you. And I'm so grateful you took this time and I'm just in awe of everything you've accomplished. And it really gives me a little spark of hope that maybe I'm not too old and it's not too late, you know, no such thing. No no such thing. Absolutely. No such thing. Well, I appreciate it very much. Thank you again. And, um, you know, hopefully I'll see you in the neighborhood. I mean, I don't really go out so much, but, um, you know, the holidays are coming. Maybe I'll see you. It'll be lovely. We should go grab coffee. Oh my gosh. Hello. My love language. Thank you. Yes. Maybe your wife could like fill in and we could go. Yes. I'll do it during the work day. Oh my gosh. I'll make it happen. Oh my goodness. Well, Haley, thank you so much. And I hope you have a great night. Okay. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Okay. Bye.